right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your roommate's elbow veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your host. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. So we have something really big to share. Oh, yes. Something that when we first did a podcast, you wanted this and have been floating the idea of this for two years. How long have we been doing this? A little while. Uh, Almost two years. Jeez. Um, We finally have merchandise. Were you saying I was floating this idea? I feel like when we first got together to talk about learning the tropes and the possibility and what it would look like and everything, you were like, I want merch. I want beer koozies. I want onesies. That's your big saying. Yeah, yeah. And we have one of those. I know. Well, no you know. No beer koozies. Just no onesies. No beer koozies. I, I know. We have baby onesies and kids t-shirts, um, which do make me laugh. But then I am like, I will get this for my nieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's make them, great publicity. Oh yeah, make them start repping the pod. They gotta start working. They've been freeloading for too long. It's it's fun to sell onesies for your smut podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's funny to sell them something to be like, you're not gonna be able to fully understand this for another fifteen years or so. Yeah. So we have T shirts, we have hoodies, we have notebooks, totes, onesies of course. All with our logo. We're starting with the logo. We want to expand into different designs. So if anybody has any ideas, you know, maybe some No Pussy for the Man shirts and see if people are into that. But (laughs) for right now, we're just going to like lightly roll this out, see what people think, see what people like and don't like and what they would want to get and what they don't want to get. And it's it's just kind of fun, like looking at the we're on TeePublic and we'll have a link in the show notes. 25% 25% off until Friday this week, so a little in, incitement to to maybe get something. But yeah. it was cool to look at the stuff. I was like, oh, you know what? I might get a mask. <laughs> I We have two different kinds of masks because Public is great. Like, I had a conversation with one of their sales reps before we got started, and she was fantastic. Um, it was fun to have to, like, in a sort of business meeting, say, is it okay if I have shirts that say pussy on them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she said, yes, it was fine. I said, great. We'll go with you. But yeah, there are two different kinds of uh, face masks. Everyone should be wearing a mask whenever you leave the house. So, you know, why not rep your favorite podcast as well? But yeah, we're just putting it out there and seeing if anybody's interested. Yeah. And if you do have, if there's like a saying you want on a t-shirt or something that you've been, oh, I think that would be really fun. Let us know, because uh, other than no pussy for the man, I'm not really sure what our catchphrases are. Other than I'm a veteran, I'm a virgin. And I was n- nervous about making a shirt that said I'm a veteran because we are not actually veterans. Of, stolen uh, valor, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to participate in any stolen valor. So, you know, I would have to sort of make sure it was specifically for romance novels. Um, and then I'm a virgin is also kind of tricky because what are you trying to say here? Yeah, you know, I think we would have to make sure that the graphics are correct with those and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about them. My father was there. I was at my parents' house this last week and while I was setting it all up, and he asked for the link. And I was like, what is he going to buy? I'm interested. So I'll let you know what Billy ends up if he ends up picking anything up. Well, he's a big influencer, so that that's big for us. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, 
if you feel so inclined, it's a good time to buy because like Clayton said, until Friday of this week. So until the 29th, it is 25% off. Already, I do think the prices are like fairly reasonable. Um, so, you know, we would love it if, if you want to sort of rep us out there. It would be really cool. Um, and, uh, and, and we'd appreciate it. But if not, then that's okay, too. If you buy anything, take a picture of yourself with it and post it on social because that would be oh. fun. I do yeah, I would see, love that. I, I do want to see somebody buy that pillow. I might buy the pillow, to be honest with you. Yeah? Well. I don't know. It seems cool. I don't know why. <laughs> and I, I'm not especially even a fan of pillows. No, no. Yeah, historically, you love sleeping just on a flat mattress. You got to. <laughs> That's the big update. It feels very official podcasty that we have this. Um, we've resisted having a Patreon, so I feel like this is the next like level having merch that it yes. feels very official. We're slowly um, creeping into into professionalism. I know, stumbling towards professionalism. <laughs> That's us. Uh but this week, we also read a book. We didn't just come here to try to hawk our wares. Um, this week, we read Spellbound by Allie Theron and Clayton. What, or wait. See, look at We introduced merch, and I completely forget what we even do. Um, and Clayton, what can they buy at our tea public? <laughs> <laughs> now, Clayton, does Allie Theron have a tea public? <laughs> I don't um, know, but we certainly do. So let's judge this cover. I like this cover as a cover because i think it's kind of snazzy looking Mm -hmm. it's the silhouette of a man in a top hat and he's got a cane and the wonder wheel is behind him and it's like black and red and spellbound is written in not cursive the whole way but there's like a curl at the end of the d but what i will say is (laughs) does not look like a romance. So I got to take some points off for it because I it doesn't scream romance to me. Yeah. I think this is a book that, you know, I really enjoyed it. But I do think it, it was like, it was very different in a lot of ways than a lot of romances. Like it's set in the 20s. There are not many romances set in the 20s. Um, you know, the element of magic, of fantasy, you know, being in New York. Like, I think there was so much about it that was so interesting. And like, yeah, I love the cover as a like a generic cover. Like if you just showed me this, you're like, is this good? I'd be like, yeah, it's great. But I do think it doesn't tell me much about the book. And I really loved the book. And I understand that it's like the silhouetted figure is supposed to be one of our heroes, Arthur. And there, there was something about it. And I don't know if it's like him standing in front of the Wonder Wheel and spinning his cane. But it made him seem like a sinister, like, trickster. And that's certainly not who he is in the book. And it, it like, made me, like, a little nervous. So, like, it's a good cover. And I think it's, like, it's a book that's, like, you're going to find a lot of elements you don't that aren't, like, super common in romance, which I think is fantastic. Um, And so it's... I like that it's not necessarily maybe a traditional cover for that reason. But yeah, I think this it's like there's just something about it that it just it it doesn't it doesn't scream romance to me. And it makes it feel like it's going to be maybe a darker book than it ends up being. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, he does that. That silhouette does make him feel like a Loki type figure. Yeah. And like you said, he's not that he's real stand-up guy 
Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah. So Clayton, anyway, so what was this book about? This book is about Rory Brodigan, who is a, what, what did they call them? Um, paranormal. Scryers. Yeah, well, he's a scryer, which means that he can touch an object and know it's past. Mm-hmm. So he's he's transported back to the past. So say he there's a scene where he touches Arthur's coat, and he gets he goes back to the it's it's making his suit, and Rory's a little drunk, and so he almost he gets caught in the past, and Arthur Arthur has to be there as his anchor and, and bring him out. And Arthur yeah. is the son of a politician. He's like a man about town who also deals in magic, although he's not really magical himself. And Rory works at a... It's like an appraisal, like an antique appraisal. antique shop. And they don't (laughs) know at first that Rory is the person who scryers. They think his aunt, uh, Mrs. Brodigan, who's not really his aunt, we'll get into that, is the person who has the the magic powers, but it's actually Rory. And Arthur brings this ring that is super powerful and makes Rory go crazy. And Rory calls Arthur and is like, fuck you and your ring. (laughs) And then they get intertwined. I'm getting into the weeds here, but they get intertwined. They fall in love. But then there's this whole thing that happens with Gwen and a dagger and a and an amulet and the wonder wheel so it's a whole magical it's a whole like magical hullabaloo I guess <laughs> a whole magical hullabaloo that's yes. fi- that's a fantastic pull quote if anyone wants to use it there's there's just a lot of magic in this book and yeah. not a not a lot of I mean, there is romance because there is a flir- there's definitely a flirtation between Rory and Arthur that doesn't become physical until pretty late in the book, and then is closed door. Yeah, and it's not the. I would say it's really not even the main thing of this book. So, I feel like this is a a rom- a nominal romance. I, I would not say this is a real real romance. What do you think? I think I, I I think you know the central there there is a happily ever after and and the central story I do think is about Arthur and Rory and I think it is about them trying to work together but I agree where I think that there was probably a lot of time spent developing the magical aspects of it. And there was probably less time spent on the romance aspects of the book or the relationship. And I think, you know, because we read so many romances that are very strictly just kind of romance. And it's very just about these two people. And I think when you get into these sort of like genre where this is like a fantasy detective romance, it's, you know, I think we've said it before, it's like really hard to balance all those elements. Because if you're reading a fantasy mystery, then 
the fantasy mystery is what takes center stage. And if you're reading romance, and the romance what's taking the center stage. And I think if you're reading a romantic, uh, mysterious fantasy, then it's sort of like, what is the center of it all? And I think it's just a very difficult thing to pull off. I really did enjoy this book a lot. And I think that, like, clearly, this is like a very talented art author who definitely spent a lot of time thinking about sort of the minutia of the world. But I agree where it's like I wanted more Arthur and Rory and I wanted more them just to be more developed and for there to be more of a story of, you know, what is keeping them apart. Because it seems to be the only thing that's keeping them apart is obviously it's two gay men in 1920s New York City and, you know, being homosexual was, was illegal. And so that is like a very big barrier. Don't want to minimize that for for sure. But also, um, it, it seems to be then it's just that they kind of like have not great communication skills. And Arthur feels like he's more powerful than Rory socially and therefore and, and more experienced sexually and therefore doesn't want to sort of overwhelm Rory and wants to take care of him. And Rory is just kind of like really thinks Arthur is super hot and wants to bone him but doesn't think that Arthur would want him and then that's kind of it and once yeah, they get Ro- over that yeah there's no more strife Rory is 20 and mm-hmm. Arthur is 28 but Rory seems like a young 20 B- right because they go to the the bar the speakeasy which is illegal also mm-hmm. and Rory gets pretty drunk and gets a little flirty and 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 or like really wants you know he, he that's when you figure out that there's a there's a kind of attraction between both of them but i did feel like rory acted way younger than 20 years but i think he is very sheltered cuz he mm-hmm. really only works in the store he also is hiding his true identity because he's not really related to to miss brannigan at all he is his his real name is Theodore Giavacini. G- I can't say. It. I shouldn't even have tried. His real name is Teddy, and he's Italian. <laughs> Giovacchini is what I would say. Okay, but you know what? We're probably both wrong. Oh, one hundred percent. So he's you know he's he's pretty prote- protective of his of his life. So he he does feel very sheltered. But it seemed more like a really young person being courted by somebody who is wise or old beyond their their years. They're just more sophisticated. Yeah, more sophisticated. So there was this, like, pretty big gulf between the two of them. Yeah. Well, but I think that that, that Arthur, having Arthur think about that and be nervous about that and being a reason to pull back um, – you know, makes sense. But I agree. Well, also the backstory for Rory is that he, you know, he has this incredible power as a scryer and they call people with magic uh, subordinate paranormals. That's what the, that was what I was looking for earlier. Oh. Subordinate paranormals. And I don't know who they're subordinate to, but subordinate. And um, there are a lot of other people with different levels of magic. What I did like about this book is it seemed like I think sometimes in fantasy books or in, in books where there's magic, uh, it can be like, ev- okay, now everyone you meet is magic. 
And that's hard to keep track of. And I think here it was like, you know, Arthur's best friend, Jade, who seems like very cool. It like runs a speakeasy and she has telekinesis so she can like move objects with her mind. But Um, she can't move cars and she can't move people. She has her limits. She can use objects to move people, though, because she uses a cane to move Rory back onto the street when he's Mm -hmm. stumbling drunk with magic uh that it, 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 like like halfway through the book yeah yeah so she's she seems great and zhang is their other friend who can astral project so he can be one place and then he can like project his essence anywhere um so yeah so i mean that was really cool and so rory you know, when he sort of came into his magic because he couldn't control it. Like, I guess you can, he could get stuck when he would be like scrying something. So when he would be like looking at how something was created, he could not be able to get out of that place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it made it seem like he was, you know, in the midst of like a mental breakdown. And so then he went to an asylum. And so, yeah, so he's never really lived in the world ever until he meets Arthur so, yeah, I agree. But also he was, I, I don't know, he seemed very into Arthur and very game. And I think that was something, too, with uh, this book, again, that I really did love. But it, it seemed like there was a lot of people saying things that weren't reflected in their personalities or the things they were doing or thinking uh, in a way that I found a little bit frustrating because it seemed to just be like, um, you know, Arthur would think, he was taking advantage or something and then it wouldn't be be played out or but I think mostly with Rory where he would talk a big game to Arthur and he would be very openly flirty with Arthur and he would be really bold with him but then everyone reacted to him like he was kind of this like scared really immature kid and he felt that way too and it just felt really like disconnected for me I didn't really understand what the point or you know what it just didn't feel like fully realized in that way yeah yeah Uh, yeah I this book fell short for me because I don't like magic yeah I or I do to an extent but I thought scrying was cool i like the idea of being able to touch an object and and see how it was made because i think that would be great at restaurants because then you could touch your meal and make (laughs) sure that nobody did anything weird to it but then when you add other powers like i know telekinesis is fun and things like that but it, it got too bogged down in the relics and this relic and this relic and i wanted one central relic i wanted one central thing and then there was like the whole caper of of having to get into mansfield's mansion and the the love story to me wasn't strong enough for for me to go for this ride Mm -hmm. and that but that's just me saying i don't really like you know me i don't like world building i don't really like fantasy all that much so this was it was a bit of a slog for me, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the two of them, I never really, I wasn't rooting against them. And I thought some of their courtship was sweet, 
but I, I, it wasn't enough for me to really, yeah, go along and be rooting for anybody. Right. I hear you. I think this is the same reason why I have a hard time with, like, Marvel movies and stuff, which I know I'm, like, in the minority of. I'm with because, you on that. Yeah, because I feel like every Marvel movie or whatever, every superhero movie, now it's, like... This person wants to literally destroy the universe. And that is so big. And I feel like growing up, I loved like the old, like the Batman with Adam West and stuff. But he was always solving like very minor crimes. (laughs) Like they never did these big things. And I think that's what I miss because it's like, okay, so now in this book, it's like they're trying to get a ring that controls the wind and an amulet that controls the seas. And that just seems so massive. And I feel like this would have been better served as a, you know, the first book in a series had it been like a smaller thing they were trying to do. And I would have liked more time spent with Rory and Ace or Rory and Arthur, like building their relationship and who they are and who they are to each other and sort of growing towards each other as opposed to just like, okay, well now we have to find this ring and, and here's the history of the ring. And also there's this German family downtown that we never really learn, like it never really factors in in any way. And then there are these friends that are gone in the war, but no, they're back. And it just, it does just get to a point where it's just like, there's so much happening and it's also big and i i would have just preferred if it was just like we have to get this ring because i mean i don't know i'm not a fantasy author i can't come up with this shit but it's like you know we have to get this ring because otherwise like you know this person will be able to I don't know, control the water under new york city or something which is like kind of what it was or like when when horse races (laughs) right i know but it's just like i don't know something i just i am like let's bring let's make do you think that marvel likes my note of like make it smaller (laughs) make it less consequential i'm willow astor author and host of living in the pages part of the frolic podcast network my show features best-selling authors in their latest work. I love to get a behind-the-scenes look at authors' everyday lives, their loves and hates, their influences, and often how the highs and lows and in-betweens of life affect their words. Interesting people like Taryn Fisher, Kennedy Ryan, Colleen Hoover, and the dreamy Paulina Simons. Join me every Thursday as I explore the lives of our favorite authors. I think if you do love fantasy, I think if you do love magic, if you like, then this is a great book for you. Like, I think I do think that this author is very talented and the characters I thought were. I think the characters themselves were fantastic. Like, I really liked Rory. I really liked Ace. I really liked Jade. I really liked Zhang. Like, every Mrs. Brodigan, I feel like everyone we came in contact with, I was like, okay, I get this person. I get this is a full human being. Like, I would, any of the characters, like, if we had just followed them around, I would have been into what was going on there. And so much of the fantasy element where I'm the same. Once we went to Coney Island, I was like, I don't know what is happening. I was just sort of, like, continuing to read. But I'm like, I'm very confused. I don't know what we want to have happen. I don't really understand how Gwen and Ellis are bad, necessarily. I don't know. I was just very like, huh. 
People were disappearing. People were appearing. There was a boat with a baron on it. I was like, all right. I don't know. I felt like, yeah, that way at the end of a superhero movie where I'm just sort of like zoned out and just like watching things happen. I mean, I was excited to go to Coney. I never, I mean, it did make me want to go to Coney Island and it did make me miss um, Luna Park. Yeah, we went to Coney Island together. I th- didn't we go like a few years ago, like uh, well, like four or five years ago? You were didn't dating we... your last girlfriend. Yes, that's right. And 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 her and her friend went on the most insane roller coaster, <laughs> and we all said, "We'll wave from down here." They're like, "We are older than you and more breakable." And I rode like we did that horse race ride or something. Do you remember that where you could get on oh, horses? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I got beat up. Like, my arms were bruised. I think I was holding on to the horse wrong because <laughs> I was, like, holding on really tight. And I think my, like, my forearms kept banging against the, the horse's head. So, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was very painful. But it was fun. <laughs> That was a good time. That, I, I wanted to, I keep, I kept wanting to go back every summer, but we, like, never got around to it. Well, what I used to love every year that we I would always go, me and one of my best friends, Tamara, we would do the mermaid parade. And that was like yeah. always the start of summer. And it was truly the most fun. I loved it. We would dress up like, not necessarily like mermaids, but we would just like put on glitter. You know how I love to do any chance I get. And we would ride out to Coney Island and the parade. We would never go for the parade itself because that always was too early in the morning. <laughs> But it spills out onto the boardwalk and then everyone is in these insanely elaborate costumes all around like the ocean. So there's always like, you know, lots of mermaids and sea monsters and sailors. And there's always like a pregnant woman who has painted her belly like a submarine and then has like a little baby looking out. It's very cute. Um, And yeah, we would just like spend the day there. And then there's like all of those bars and stuff on the boardwalk and we would just sort of like you know drink and spend the day and then end up like walking into the water yeah that's so fun i know oh i miss it now i could cry i miss it so much i miss so much about new york i know it's so hard so here's the big question and i'm wondering to see which way you're gonna go here would you fuck them i mean ace seemed hot as fuck i'm very attractive very handsome I, I don't know about Rory. I think for the reasons that we outlined where he was, like, just a little bit young. Yes. That was my thing the whole time was, like, he just – it wasn't his actual age. It was just his temperament seemed really, really young. Clayton, would you um, fuck yeah, him? Yeah, I, I, would, I would fuck Arthur, but I wouldn't fuck Rory. Yeah. You know? just I just feel like Arthur's more in in himself right now. Mm-hmm. All right, should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. All right. Magic and monsters and romance. Magic, yeah. Yes. Male, male, continuous series, same protagonist. I guess, right? I don't know, because there's more of these books. Well, in the second book, apparently Authors X comes from uh, from Europe, and then that ends up being a, a source of strife for them. Oh, Interesting. You don't know how hard it is. So I have a, a great uncle, Arthur, who is from Lawrence, Massachusetts, and they say Atha. And it's been very difficult for me to pronounce that name correctly. So I want everyone to recognize what a trial it's been for me. Yes. 
Arthur's a priest in Boston. All right. Uh, original stories, a breath of fresh air. I mean, it's different than what we usually read. So there's sometimes I'm not as big of a fan of fresh air as as I, as, as some other people would be, I guess. Uh-huh. I think when it comes to romance, give me as stale air as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. I want something I want something different. I want something fun. But I, I am. I'm just so basic. I really just want two people who want to be in love. And if they're wearing dresses and suits and there might be a lord or a duke, then I guess I'm more into it. Queer historical romances written by authors of color. I guess I did not know it was an author of color. Yeah, I don't really actually know anything about uh, this author. But I do love that it is set in New York City. Obviously, we always do. Um, But I really like that it was set in the 1920s. I felt like it was a very different time to put things. And I really loved the way that the city was reflected through this book. And I thought it was really, really cool. Um, Because there were telephones and, and things felt a little bit more modern. But it was still, you know the 20s yes i loved the setting of this i the world building around the magic i felt was a bit much but it also could just be like me as not a fantasy person but i thought the world building as far as like the place setting was fantastic oh yeah tell me the block exactly where everything happens i want that (laughs) but yeah i agree with you Uh, give me i mean thank god we knew yeah give me all the new york stuff yeah we knew Arthur was on Central Park West. I would have liked a building name. Like, was it the Eldorado? Was it the Dakota? You know, where were we? But, you know, <laughs> that's for me. That's yes. probably not something that most anyone cares about. All right. Next. Uh, best male male books featuring size differences. Yeah, I guess Rory was pretty small. Uh-huh. Yeah. They they really dunked on him for being short, which I thought was unfair. Yeah, also, I love he's a short 20, guy. So he's yeah, he's gonna grow. No, he probably won't grow. No, right? he's not gonna. He's kind of his height, I think, at twenty. He's done growing. It's a shame. Yeah. I always tell this story that I was like twenty three, and I was talking to my mom, and I'm like, I'm five eleven. I'm gonna give it up now. But I usually, you know, if I wear boots, I'm like six. And I and I was talking to my mom and I was like, wow, I was like, I can't. I was probably younger than that. I was probably like 20. I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm six feet. I just want to reach six. And she said, Clayton, you stop growing. <laughs> and I never even thought about stopping growing. I guess I should have because if I if I didn't stop growing, I would just continue to be like nine feet tall by the age I am now. But I just I it, it was one of those things where it was. I just never thought about stopping growing because you just grow from your being a kid to teen and, and it's just something that happens to you. And then when it stops, it's like a shocking moment. <laughs> I, I guess that is true. I never thought of that. I mean, I think but, you can, yeah, you have probably growth spurts all through your teens. And I think it, maybe it's possible to have one as late as 20, but. But the way my mom said it with such disdain. She was no, like, I'm kidding. She I didn't. can't believe I gave birth to this dumbass. <laughs> yeah. No, she was very sweet about it. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Um, 5'11". I remember one time I asked if you were taller than me and you took such offense. 
Well, because that's in, that's an insane question. Well, it's also because I don't have spatial awareness, so I was not sure. Yeah. At all. It, it, like, it's always me just not understanding how things exist within space. And <laughs> I, because we were like, oh, God, because we, we used to work at this awful company, and somehow the two of us became in charge of party planning. Yeah. <laughs> No, we threw good parties. Come on. We did throw good parties, like, despite us not wanting to. Yeah. Which, despite it not being in our job description. No, no. I rarely were redoing things within our job descriptions. And, yeah, and I feel like we were, like, hanging streamers or something. And I was on the top of a ladder. I was like, Clayton, are you taller than me? Would this be easier for you? And you're like, yes, I'm taller than you. Get off the ladder. I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I think best... I was dressed like Dracula at the, at the time, and I was dressed like a demon. We worked at a three D printing company, so it was cool because you could print elements of your costume. So I printed like horns. Um, remember that one guy came as Jax Taylor? He looked amazing. Yeah, there were some good costumes there. Yeah, it was a very creative company. R I P. The company is gone, but it's dead to me. All right, male male romances with a hat on the cover. listen do what you do it is true there is a hat in silhouette on the cover and if that's what you like that's what you like that's what romance is about yeah there you go so this book was published only in 2019 so the second book in the series i think if it isn't out now it's coming out soon so you know if you do if this does seem like your cup of tea it is very well done i think it just isn't our genre but yeah. don't let that stop you. If anything we said sounded interesting, I would say get the book. It's definitely worth a read. She's a very talented author. Like, I feel like I need to have a word for this where it's like sometimes we read a book and it doesn't connect with us. But like the experience of reading is still enjoyable. And I would say that's what happened now. And yeah. sometimes there's a book and it, maybe it is even within a genre we like. But the experience of reading it is painful. <laughs> like, it just is not well written. Yeah. And it feels like a slog. Like this, I feel like as much as I was sort of confused about what was happening at the end and stuff, like I kept wanting to propel forward through the book. Like I was interested. I did like her writing style. So um yeah, if if you are into fantasy romance, I would say this is a fantastic fantasy romance. And there's a hat on the cover. And there's a hat on the cover. So God, if that's what you're looking for, pick this one up. You're gonna be very happy. All right, Clayton. So what are your tropes? Age difference, size difference, male-male, geographic difference, because Rory lived in Hell's Kitchen. That's all on the west side, though. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, they're still not in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal when it comes to New York. Although, it's pretty easy to get from Hell's Kitchen to, where was he, Upper West Side? Yeah, Hell's Kitchen to Upper West Side, I feel like, is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, it's mag- not like it was like Tribeca or I don't know what's it's not like it was the Lower East Side and the Upper West Side that's where you really run into some trouble yeah yeah magical romance fantasy romance New York based romance 20s romance and relics <laughs> a lot of relics yeah so, oh, oh, and also false identities. Mm-hmm. Because Rory ain't Rory. Aaron, what are your tropes? 
Yeah. So fantasy romance, male, male romance, first time. So Arthur is Rory's first time sexually. Uh, Magic, uh, a magic person and a mortal person falling in love, confessing feelings in another language. So because Rory is actually Teddy Giovacchini, he speaks Italian the first few times that he's flirting with Arthur to sort of say like that he likes him. And I like that aspect of it. Wearing lover's clothes, Rory is constantly wearing Arthur's clothes and then Arthur like sees him in the clothes and like loses his mind a little bit. I thought that's a cute touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are my tropes. Sharing clothes is a great thing to do with uh, a partner. If you I can guess get away so. with it. Yeah. So Clayton, what has you swooning this week? Well, what has me swooning is a website and more specifically a column in a specific website now i think the internet is overrated i used to (laughs) love when i was in college i used to go to the internet all the time and there were so many websites that were fun because it wasn't so commercialized you know it, it was more of the wild west high school college that was the best time for the internet people were putting on there whatever they wanted to write no commercial concerns and I'm a big music guy, and there's a website called Stereo Gum. Now, Stereo Gum was independent, then was purchased by a company, and now is independent again. And it's been doing some really good music writing in the past couple months. And for the past couple years, there's a gentleman who's been writing a column called The Number Ones, and his name is Tom... Brahan. I can't say people's names, so sorry if I got your name wrong. But what this gentleman is doing is he's going through every number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, starting on the first one in 1958, and just moving all the way through it. And he's now in the mid-80s, 1984, and this is like the sweet spot. This is the beginning of when I really got to remember pop music because Mm -hmm. this is Lionel Richie, Cyndi Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, Prince, Michael Jackson, Duran Duran, all these, all these big, huge artists that just kind of, Oh, Madonna, that kind of dominated the the middle of the eighties. And he's in this sweet spot right now. So he just does a write up of how long it was. Number one, some background on on the band, the song, the video. It's it's just long enough where some of these articles can be either so short that they're unsatisfying or so long that they get so far into the weeds. But he just writes really well. It's just these these bursts of nostalgia in such a good way. There's always these fun connections to past to to past artists and tidbits about the songwriting that I didn't know. So if you're a music fan, especially if you're a pop music fan or a pop historian, like a pop historian, the number ones on Stereo Gum, that's just a real fun column to read. They come out, I don't know if they're on a schedule, but there's usually a few a week. And it's one of those things where I do the refresh I'm just kind of refreshing mm-hmm. it to see if there's a new one. And that's the highest compliment for a website is the constant refresh. So that's what I'm swooning about. 
Nice. That's a great one. Erin, what has you swooning? Yeah. So this is a, I've been, I've been swooning over this. It's like a Netflix series. It's a, a documentary style series called Love on the Spectrum. And I had friends text me about watching it and I was a little bit nervous to watch it because, you know, it's about people who are on the the autism disorder spectrum trying to date. And I, I, ha- you know what, I, mean? I was worried it'd be exploitative. I was worried it would be overly um, precious or sort of make them seem very like juvenile. And it was like, oh, look at these people try. I don't know. I was nervous about it. But watching it, it is a really beautiful series. And it is just about, you know, these different people. I think it ends up being like maybe seven or eight people who want to find love. And obviously that is an interest of mine. And what I loved was how upfront and honest these people were. And everyone had their own personality and their own quirks and their own way of going about things. But overarchingly, they were very honest about what they wanted. Um, And it always started with, you know, these are the three things that I love the most. And these are the two things I don't like. And I was like, I think that dating everywhere could be improved if every time you just sat down with someone, you're like, here are my three things I care about. Because honestly, whoever cares about more than three things at one time? And here are two things I can't stand. Like, does that jive with you? Or not? There was one guy who loves dinosaurs. And his father is like, you know, what if you meet a woman and she doesn't like dinosaurs? And he goes, no deal. <laughs> and I was like, I just like having those sort of, you know, hard and fast rules. But it sort of I felt like it really was heartwarming and I felt like it is just about the human experience more than people specifically with autism and and wanting to find love and how hard it is and, and how much you have to put yourself out there and you have to continue to put yourself out there. But ultimately, it is worth it. Um, so I thought it was it was really well done and I really loved it. So if you're looking for, a, you know, a fun series to watch that is kind um, about dating and love, then I would say Autism on the Spectrum. It's on Netflix. It's an Australian series originally, um, but it's it's really great. Well, Erin, where can they find us? So like we mentioned at the top, we do have merch now. So I'm going to put a link to the merch in our, it's going to be in our show notes. I'm going to put it on our other social media. If you go to Tee Public through the link that we provide, um, we do get a little bit of extra cut of, of whatever you purchase. So we would really appreciate that. But if you forget to do it, it's not a big deal. Um, also make sure to take a picture show it to us we would love to see it it would be a thrill and also please don't forget to rate review subscribe it's how people find us we really appreciate it right now what we would love is if you put a euphemism for genitalia uh, into the uh, review it's really funny it's based off our diana gabaldon i give you my body um episode uh and so clayton do we have any new euphemisms we got a new review from Heiklin28 says a lot of nice things about us. Five-star review. Thank you so much, Heiklin. And we got one of her, well, her least favorite euphemism. 
roast beef curtains. Oh, God. With a disgusted emoji, green Mr. Yuck emoji at the end. People seem to be really leaning into food-based euphemisms and euphemisms mm-hmm. that they hate. But you know what? It's a euphemism. And we love we it. We didn't say, yeah. I like that we didn't say your most hated euphemism, but instead people are like, here are the worst ones. It's becoming that, which I'm fine with. I think it's funny. I'm fine with it as well. But thank um, you for that review. And that's the kind of, I mean, that's, it's so fun to find these new ones and laugh at them and be disgusted by them. <laughs> and so, yeah, keep going. We're getting, we're getting like a new review every day, it looks like. At least a new star rating. And those are great too, believe me. If you don't want to write a, a, a euphemism, that's fine. Uh, and then if you want to email us your book suggestions, thoughts, feelings, just say hi. You can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are, we'll answer every email, I promise. I have a few in there that I haven't gotten to yet, but we love reading them. We love getting them. So, you know, thank you if anyone's taking the time to email us. We really appreciate it. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, Instagram at Learning the Tropes, and we are on our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes Troop. Um, and then so next week we are reading a book oft requested we have talked a lot about doing this series about this series uh it's going to be a netflix show uh so we are finally reading a bridgerton book we chose romancing mr bridgerton by julia quinn overwhelmingly that seems to be the one you guys want us to read the most so we're giving you what you want as we start september um so uh, go ahead if you haven't read that series yet if you haven't read that book yet there's a big reveal in it so I would say start from the beginning the first uh, book of the series but or just jump right into Romancing Mr. Bridgerton it's personally I think my probably favorite in the group as well um, and then finally Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media backslash podcast alright bye guys bye